0: And identity and the rights of our Creator God. And let's pray together, all right. We recognize more and more, Lord, that while your word is truly a beautiful thing, increasingly it runs it runs countercultural in a sin polluted world like this. And so to hear your word as true and present it with compassion and grace, we need the help of your Holy Spirit. We want to be like Jesus, who loved the truth, who honored the Father, and loved sinners. Make that true in all of our hearts, without compromising either end of that. May we never distort grace into social acceptability because there be no gospel left. And so we are hungry, Lord Jesus, to know the truth and to have it set our hearts and minds free in Jesus. Come among us. Protect us from error. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I'm not going to read Romans 1, 18 to 28. You read it. And I will be referring to it near the end of the message, all right? So just because there's not a text right up front, please don't think I've abandoned God's Word or something like that. That's not the case. And there's a reason for closing with Romans 1:18 to 28. There's a kind of reasoning in that text that is easily missed. If, if all we notice is Paul's blunt universal, creational condemnation of same-sex relationships. It is that. It is that to be sure. But it's not just that. There's much more there. And it's crucial that the church gets the gist of Paul's divinely inspired thinking. But I need to do something else first. Again, I said it last week. I probably should have said it earlier. So if this applies to you, please don't be embarrassed in any way, shape, or form. But I probably, if I had uh, small children, I, I probably wouldn't want them in just for this particular teaching. And I know I should have said that when we dismissed children. That's my bad. But if that's no one's going to think less of you or anything else if you, if you feel you'd like to take care of that now. There's not a problem. Here's what we need to deal with first. I think there needs to be some kind of explanation from me for taking time on a Sunday morning, a precious Sunday morning like this, to deal with a, a moral issue that seems, at least on the surface, it seems more reserved for tabloid headings and television talk shows. Why, why do we, on a Sunday morning, 10 a.m. in the church, need to give attention to this, Pastor Don? Study Psalm 23, for goodness sake. There's something so edifying in there. Why are we here? Here's why. What will we say and do when someone walks into a Christian ed class next year, or a Bible study, or a children's church session who is a boy but wears dresses like a girl, insisting along with his parents' approval, that he really is a girl. What are we going to do? Or what if an adult who has undergone surgical procedures to kind of give outer reality to his conviction that he's really been a woman on the inside from birth, Here's one. What what will we do? What will we do if a person like that, a transgender person, comes to Christ? What are the implications of that conversion for that person? Have you thought about that? What? What? What will repentance have to look like if? that person as an adult comes and gives his slash her heart to Jesus Christ? There's a question. Mark my words. All of these issues are right on the doorstep of Cedarview Community Church along with every other church in North America. How prepared will we be to deal with those situations? How will our youth deal with these situations with both biblical conviction and Christ-like compassion and bring both to the table without sacrificing one for the other? It's no secret. Society is in a huge rush to celebrate the breaking down of creational genders. It is the new thing. Our opening text, the Romans 1 text, is going to explain just why that is so in a little while. And believe me, only God's word can shed light on our culture's present feeding frenzy on flexible gender categories. You've All seen the headlines and watched the news. Bruce Jenner can't be praised by the celebrity culture enough for his recent transition from Bruce to Caitlyn, featured on the cover of Vanity Fair. Jenner says he was nine years old when he first tried on his sister's dress because he always felt like he wanted to be a girl. 1976, he won Olympic gold for the decathlon And one of the things propelling him, he says, was his inner conflicted self trying to prove that he really was a man. To confuse the categories even more, Bruce slash Caitlin says he's still sexually attracted to women. Now, what are we going to make of this? Is this the heterose- heterosexual attraction of a man to a woman or has Bruce/Caitlin suddenly become a lesbian woman with absolutely no change in the object of his sexual attraction from when he was a heterosexual man in other words in other words he moves from being a heterosexual to a lesbian with absolutely no change whatsoever in his sexual desires or orientation how does that happen? Aside from the morality of it, for just a moment, the logic of it is hard to figure out. Soon as the Vanity Fair cover hit the stands, the celebrity world sang its praise. Courageous, honest, Brave, liberating, were the adjectives describing his new surgical status. The world's applause, as is always the case in our, in our fallen culture of conformity, the world's applause is deafening. Maybe that should be expected. But there's something else going on as well. In silent, a little bit more unnoticed, but steady erosion, the church is having a hard time not lining up with the gospel of tolerance, so dogmatically preached by the the bright celebrity lights of our culture's image makers. Hollywood's stars and the industry's musicians they almost dare anyone to speak out against this newly found transgendered happiness you see the church is the church is getting used to playing up to the acceptance of our culture it's very easy to be successful there it fills seats this is where the cool churches live We don't like feeling the sting of our culture's distaste. We don't like it. We don't like hearing the accusations of intolerance or irrelevance. We've long lost a willingness to be, heaven forbid, against anything. Nobody likes being against things. We want a culture of acceptance. We call it love. we've actually started to believe what they say about us, that moral absolutes are rude, that true doctrines are arrogant and rednecked. I mean, seriously, Jesus surely can't honestly expect his followers to be at odds with Miley Cyrus and Taylor Swift. Then along came June 9th. And the cover story, I said cover story, on Time magazine, featuring the account of transgendered actor Laverne Cox, born a boy, but now one of the stars on the Netflix drama Orange is the New Black, right on the cover. In a speech called Ain't I a Woman, Cox explains, quote, I'm happy that I am myself, and I couldn't imagine my life If I were still in denial or lying, pretending to be a boy, that seems ridiculous to me. And if you don't think it's hard for the church to love Netflix without loving the morality of its stars, then you just haven't been listening to a whole upcoming generation in the church. They're shaped more by Netflix than by this book. Hollywood stars and the industry's musicians have pretty much won that war. In spite of what we sing in church, Jesus usually takes a back seat to the idols of the entertainment industry. Fast forward again. I'm flying home from a week's holidays about five weeks ago. It's always particularly relaxing. Nothing's nicer than reading a newspaper on an airplane. No calls, no texts, no emails, no appointments. A newspaper at 40,000 feet is perfect. And then there it is, an article in the National Post Tribunal mulls striking gender from birth certificates. It's one of those reading experiences, I'm I'm sure you've all had, where you read something that looks like plain English, but you have to go over it again because you're sure you must have misunderstood. It can't mean what those words say. I must have missed something. I quote, I apologize. Some of these quotes are long because I don't want to be accused of just ripping a sentence out of... So you're all right, okay? If I just... I don't normally do this Sunday morning. We've been in James, and we're going to get back to it next week. But I just want to read some of this. So this is from the National Post. The title is Tribunal mulls striking gender from birth certificates. After successfully lobbying provincial and federal governments to make it easier to amend sex designations on key identity documents, transgender Canadians are now pushing for another change to abolish gender references altogether from birth certificates. The B.C. Human Rights Tribunal has agreed to review complaints filed by the Trans Alliance Society and a handful of transgender and intersex individuals who argue that doctors should stop assigning the sex of a baby based on a quick inspection of the baby's genitals at birth, when there's a possibility they may identify under a different gender or no gender years later. I continue. Quote, Birth certificates may give false information about people and characterize them in a way that is actually wrong, that assumes to be right and causes people actual harm, says Morgaine Ogre, a transgender woman in Vancouver and chair of the society. It's considered true and infallible when it isn't. Earlier this year, Citizenship and Immigration Canada announced that it, too, would no longer require proof of sex reassignment surgery in order to change the designation on a citizenship certificate. It now will accept an amended birth certificate. I'm still reading now. But advocates say the changes do not go far enough because governments are still clarifying, certifying as true information recorded at birth which they know may be wrong in some cases. Quote, The current regime regime, falsely presumes there are two genders. Professing themselves to be... Do you remember we read that? Professing themselves to be wise... The current regime falsely presumes there are two genders that genders never change and that you can tell a child's gender at birth said Vancouver human rights lawyer Barbara Findlay who is representing the complaints and spells her name in all lower case wow awesome I did that in grade Four, and they made me do it again with a capital D. And Barbara Finley continues, that means that children are raised as the birth assigned gender, which is a crazy-making experience. Instead of living in a social reality that recognizes that gender develops and does not exist at birth those children have nothing to work with except something that feels profoundly wrong. Now, I know I've I've covered a lot of ground in this. Now I want to turn your attention to something that might seem a bit abnormal. (laughs) June 3rd, 2015. National Post carried an essay entitled, Becoming Disabled by Choice. Trans-abled people feel like imposters in their fully working bodies. That's the title of the article. Now, listen to this. Here are some portions of that article. I'm not reading this just to be weird or to gross you out. I'm reading this because there's an important point that comes out of this that I want to make at the end. Okay, so please just, would you just give me that much? I'm not just trying to be sensational here. All right? So if there's something here that makes you go, whoa, I do have a reason for reading this. All right, you all with me? Okay, okay. Quote, this is from that article. When he cut off his right arm with a very sharp power tool... A man who now calls himself One Hand Jason let everyone believe it was an accident. But he had for months tried different means of cutting and crushing the limb that never quite felt like his own. That's an important sentence. Training himself on first aid so he wouldn't bleed to death. Even practicing on animal parts sourced from a butcher. So one hand Jason says this. My goal was to get the job done with no hope of reconstruction or reattachment and I wanted some method that I could actually bring myself to do. He told the body modification website his goal was to become disabled. Now the article quote People like Jason have been classified as transabled. So you're going to hear about this transability. Think disability Trans-ability, all right? Trans-ability is by choice. People like Jason have been classified as trans-abled. Feeling like imposters in their bodies. Have you heard this lately on the news? When you think about Caitlyn Jenner? Feeling like imposters in their body, right? Feeling like imposters in their bodies, their arms and legs in full working order. We define transibility as the desire or the need for a person identified as able-bodied by other people to transform his or her body to obtain a physical impairment, says Alexandra Beryl, a Quebec-born academic, who will present on transibility at this week's Congress of the Social Sciences and Humanities at the University of Ottawa. Researchers in Canada are trying to better understand how trans-abled people think and feel. Clive Baldwin, a Canada Research Chair in Narrative Studies who teaches social work at St. Thomas University in Fredericton, New Brunswick, has interviewed 37 people who identify as trans-abled. Most of them are men. About half are in Germany and Switzerland, and a few in Canada. Most crave an amputation or paralysis. Many people, like one-hand Jason, arrange, quotes, accidents to help achieve the goal. One dropped an incredibly heavy concrete block on his legs and attempt to injure himself so badly an amputation would be necessary, but the doctors saved the leg. He limps, but it's not the disability he wanted. Some of his study participants draw parallels to the experience many transgender people express of not feeling like they're in the right body. Do you see the connection there? As the public begins to embrace people who identify as transgender, the trans people within the disability movement are also seeking their due. Make sense? But this has been met with great resistance in both the disability activist community and in transgender circles. So, the transgender people don't like what they're seeing with the trans-ability people. Speaking of transgendered people, they tend to see trans people as dishonest people. People who try to steal resources from the community. Beryl, who is himself disabled and transgender, believes the transgender community distances itself because it has worked very hard to depathologize what is known as gender dysphoria and sought its removal from the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders. Okay, that's enough. Christian worldview aside, just for a minute... Christian worldview aside, notice what's happening through the twists and turns of that article. I know I read a lot, but let me just try and simplify. Suddenly, the transgender movement is groping to play the moral absolute card. So in their condemnation of the transability movement, they're doing exactly what they accuse the Christian community of doing to transgenders. Suddenly, suddenly, Transgenders are making judgments about the free choice of other people for the decisions they make about their own bodies and their own self fulfillment. And the transgender community looks at the transable people and says, No, 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 what you're doing is wrong. What what we're doing isn't wrong. What you're doing is wrong. And you can't help I'm sorry for being blunt. You you, you can't help but get ask the question, why is, it, why is it all right to surgically deal with certain parts of your anatomy and absolutely wicked to deal with other parts of your anatomy? Right? Who gets to draw these lines? Apparently, the transgender community says, we do. Where does this right of the transgender community to judge suddenly come from i mean after all whatever else you might say about these trans abled people they aren't hurting anyone else certainly removing any consideration of god from the equation their bodies are their own to do with as they please and what they're doing is by their own declaration it's fulfilling and completing who they feel they are as persons on the inside where would the transgender community holding high the universal banner of tolerance and acceptance, where would the transgender community find the moral high ground to forbid these actions in the transibility movement? Do, do you understand the issue that I'm raising there? Anybody? Okay. Obviously, we're in desperate need of light. We're in desperate need of truth, and that's where we're going to go now. If you have a Bible, I'd like you to look at these texts with me, okay? Romans chapter 1. We've done most of the work. I just want to wrap up with some insights that I think are helpful from this passage. The, the, the point that I want to make now is, is this. I've spent two weeks looking first at Tony Campolo's letter of acceptance of same-sex, monogamous same-sex relationship in the church and why I think it's off base. That was mes- message one in this series. Last week we looked at the topic, Is it fair of God to expect gay Christians to live celibate lives in the body of Christ? That's what we looked at last week. I'm not particularly dealing with the sin of homosexuality in this message. It, you can see that it relates. Now we're dealing with transgenderism, though homosexuality kind of gets covered under the same umbrella. That's just kind of a roadmap of where we are. And, and the reason I want to look at this text is this. I think a proper understanding of Romans 1 would keep Christian people from... Uh, painting the rainbow over their Facebook page. I saw all sorts of people. I saw people I went to uh, Bible college with, people who are in ministry, and they've got their Facebook page. I'm not on Facebook, but others have shown it to me. And over their picture, I guess you have a picture page and kind of a home a thingy page for your Facebook, and then they have the rainbow, and they're just proud. And when And when... They read Romans 1, here's what they see. They know it's in the Bible. What they see is, Paul is writing about sins against nature. He'll talk about nature and sins against nature. And what Paul means isn't a condemnation of all same-sex relationships. What he means is a condemnation of people who, who... who act against their own nature. For me to enter into a homosexual relationship would be wrong because I'm a heterosexual person. So when, when they say actions against nature, what they mean is don't act contrary to your orientation. And so they'll say, yes, of course Paul says that. But he's thinking of perverse relationships, abusive relationships, pedophiles, uh, temple cult, prostitutes. He's thinking of all sorts of things. He's not thinking about two people who are honestly in love with each other and committed in a monogamous same-sex relationship because it's their nature to be that way. So Paul says it's wrong if it's not your nature. All right? So they read Romans 1. They don't block it out of their Bible, but what they see Paul saying is something totally different than what you see Paul saying when you read Romans 1. That's the issue I want to kind of wrap up with. All right? All right. Romans 1:18, "For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness, suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them, for His invisible attributes." His eternal power, divine nature, have been clearly perceived. How? The creation of the world in the things that have been made. Everybody see that? So that they are without excuse. For although they they knew God, they did not honor Him as God. Okay, how did they know God? Well, here's how they knew, right? through creation, through the things that are made. That's how they knew. He just said that. Although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools, exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man. Starts there. Mortal man, birds, animals, creeping things. I just got to change slides. 24. Therefore, God gave them up to the lusts of their hearts, to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves. Because they exchanged the truth about God. Where did they find this truth about God? We looked at it. Where did they find the truth about God? In the things that are made. He told us. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie, worshipped and served the creature rather than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason. What reason? Well, the reason that they could see certain things in the way creation is made. They could see it. But they, but they exchange what they, that knowledge that God showed them in creation, they exchange. They deny. So for that reason... Denying what they see in what's made. For that reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. For the women exchanged natural relations. See, this is where they say that's, that's your inner nature, your orientation. Natural relations to those that are contrary to nature. But it doesn't work. because. And the men likewise gave up. Now we see the same word, natural relations. Only Paul defines it. Natural relations with women. He's not talking about relations that feel natural to your orientation. He defines natural as heterosexual, right? Hello? He does. He just says it. it. gave up natural. What are natural relations, Paul? Well, they're with women. Like you don't have to. It's not rocket science. We're consumed with passion for one another. That's men considering shameless acts with men. That's what, makes, that's what makes it shameless. It's with men, not natural. With women, it's with men. Receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error, and since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. All right. Paul deals with two, not one, two creature-defining concepts in this text the rights of our creator god human identity and the rights of our creator god that's the title of the message he deals with first of all the creature's knowledge of god how we know about god this is what i want to show you as we wrap up and then he deals with the creature's sexual identity and activity knowledge of god activity and identity cosmology, biology. Those are the two things Paul deals with in this text. And most important of all, he shows us how they are inseparably attached. All right? You're going to love this. Point number one. I've only got two. The created world reveals visibly the nature of the invisible creator. If there's anything that Paul says clearly, he says this. It's in verse 20. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power, his divine nature, have been clearly perceived. How are they perceived? Ever since the creation of the world... And in the things that have been made. That's the reason they're without excuse. They might not be theologians. They might not have a Bible. They might not have a church. Paul says they're still without excuse. Why? Because they have eyes. They can see what's been made. Paul's whole argument hangs on verse 20. If you miss verse 20, the rest of the chapter falls apart. It would be almost impossible for those without a Bible to know anything about God because, well, he's invisible. You haven't seen him. You haven't seen him. I haven't seen him. Nobody's seen him. Not ever. To try and see God is like trying to see the wind. You can't see the wind. You can see what it does. So, how will the human creature come to know anything about God's, well, his eternal power, his divine nature? How, how will we come to know about that? Well, there's only one way. Paul says you, you, look at, you can look at the things that are made. And what we can see in the visible, created world teaches everyone. So now he's, he's bumped it outside the realm of the Christian religion. Everyone he's talking about. Mankind. What we can see in what is made tells us what God is like. Everybody gets that one point, right? What we can see in what is made tells us what God is like. Now, that leads to something. And this is what all those people painting their Facebook page with the rainbow are missing. Point number two, we learn about human sexuality the same way we learn about the invisible God. For although they knew God, how did they know him? They saw what was made. They did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. They became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Therefore, why? Well, they could see God in what was made. Therefore, God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity. So these now are the desires of their hearts. That's your heart, by the way. It's my heart. And what the writer is saying is, if you just look at the desires of our hearts, if that's your compass, they lead to impurity. I'm not now talking about transgenders or the gay community. I'm talking about everybody in this room. I'm talking about me. If we just live by the desires of our hearts, we end up in impurity. Okay, so the argument, the argument, since this happened, since God gave them up to the lust of their hearts, since that happened, For any of us to live life based on our inward orientation, any of us, to live life by our inward orientation because something feels natural to us, it is not at all an argument that it will be pure and righteous. Everybody see that? He tells us where our desires go now. The lust of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves because they exchanged the truth about God. Where did they get the truth about God? God. The stuff he made. They exchanged that for a lie. Worship and serve the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason. What reason? They reject what they see in creation. God gave them up to dishonorable passions. You've read the rest of the text. The argument here is straightforward. Our physical bodies are a part of the stuff God has made. You did not create yourself, and I did not create myself. Our physical bodies are part of the stuff God has made. 120. For his invisible attributes, his eternal power, divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. That's this. In other words, our visible bodies are a part of the way we learn about our invisible God. That's Paul's argument. Our visible bodies are part of the way we learn about our invisible God. When people reject what God has made... That's why, when people reject what God has made, human sexuality is always the victim. We see what God is like in what he has made, and we see what human sexuality is to be in the way our bodies are made. That's why Paul can talk so freely about people exchanging the truth about God, 25, in the same way people exchange natural relations with those that are contrary to nature. 26. Cosmology and biology both spring from the hand of the creator. Both reveal the creator's intention. John Piper says it brilliantly. Whom we worship is not left to our preferences. And who we are sexually is not left to our preferences. Both are dictated by God's revelation in things that are made. Yes, there is forgiveness and grace for all sinners, even sinners like I. But none of that cancels out our Creator's revealed will for worship and for human sexuality. And and let the church continue to be the one place holding for the compassion of grace and the light of biblical truth at the same time. Compassion and truth. Compassion and truth. Grace and truth. Escape. Escape the, the tomb of this world's lies. Worship and serve the Creator. Learn what He is like through what He has made. And learn what we are like through what He has made. And everyone said...